Hello and welcome to Ashurst Legal Outlook and the special mini-series on women in tech. My name is Danae Engbrecht and I'm a senior associate in Ashurst's digital economy team. In today's episode, we talk with Rhiannon Webster, who's a partner in the digital economy team and who heads up Ashurst's data practice. In our discussion, Rhiannon talks to us about her career journey as a woman in practice, improving female representation in practice and how emerging tech is driving change in data practices today. Here's our conversation. Rhiannon, thanks so much for joining us today. I thought we'd kick off with a nice general question. Do you want to just chat to us a bit about your career journey to partner? I qualified about 15 years ago now into a general commercial services department. I was doing all different kind of contracts and a bit of IP, but also a little bit of data protection too, because at the time the firm that I worked for did a lot for the NHS. So it was one of the few organisations that actually cared about data protection. The more I did, the more I wanted to know about it. And so I got more and more into it, did it for more and more clients. And then eventually saw that there was a business case for partnership, really, to, um, to be able to do it and be the partner at my firm specialised in data protection. So I went for it. And um, it also happened to coincide with four letters that you might know, which is the GDPR. Um, so that was coming in just as I was getting to the point where I could kind of feasibly put a partnership business case together. Um, so there was a real business need for it. That's great. And it, it's nice to see that uh, it sounds like you almost organically grew into an area of practice that you really enjoy, which is great to hear. Yeah, that's right. I must confess, I felt really uncomfortable advising in that area of law right at the beginning. So I, I took myself off um, with the firm support, obviously, and, and did a course. And then suddenly, the more you know about something, the more interested in it, in it that I was. So Frankly, I'm only interested in things that I'm good at. So um, <laughs> if I, if I, um, so I skilled myself up um, so that I could know um, what I was talking about. And then the more I knew, the more I liked kind of advising on that area of law. I empathise. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you find most rewarding about being a partner in practice? I like the managerial role. I love bringing on my team. I like the interaction with clients. I like getting to know lots of different clients and lots of different businesses. And that whole thing means that I have a very day. I do lots of training. I do lots of presentations. At the point of the GDPR, I was doing lots of board presentations too. So it's really, as I say, it's a, it's a great variety to my day. And there's definitely not a day when I'm stuck at my desk doing the same thing all day in and out. Leading on from that, I mean, what skills do you think are important for young women in our industry? And I suppose particularly for a successful career in practice then? I think you've got to spot the opportunities. I think I was very fortunate and I was in an area of law that was booming, but I was the person who went after that opportunity no one else in the firm was saying that they wanted to be a data protection partner it kind of wasn't really heard of at the time so I think you've got to be quite astute you've got to go for those opportunities when you see them and also create a team around you that you enjoy working with um, and that's above you and below you you need that whole team to make it a very rewarding and enjoyable career that's interesting, because I think one of the things that strikes me, based on your answers, 
so far has been very much that you've been at the right place at the right time. And someone once said to me that it's not about being at the right place at the right time. It's about putting yourself in the place of luck or finding your way into the flow of luck, which very much seems to be um, what's happened with your journey so far. I think that's a fair summary of the situation too. I think, as I say, I think it's a combination of being in the right place at the right time. It was also a combination of spotting that it was an opportunity, spotting that there was a real business need for it. So when I went through the, the partner process, it was a very easy, like the wind was behind me and my answers to all the, you know, when you're putting your business case together and there was a panel for the actual partnership process, I believed in what I was saying. I believed that the firm was really going to miss out if there wasn't a partner leading this charge. So my answers were genuine and it meant that the process was very simple. So Rhiannon, what's the best advice on career progression that you've received from a colleague or even from a fellow partner? I'm not sure if it was advice or I'm not even sure if it was about career progression, but I think this will give you a bit of insight into my career progression to date. I, um, when I was saying that I saw an opportunity um, when the GDPR was coming in to be partner, I didn't tell you at the time that that was also the time that I had just got married and also I became pregnant with twins. So in possibly the most badly timed pregnancy for a GDPR expert um, <laughs> during the course of 2015 and 2016 when the GDPR was coming into well it had been settled and it was coming into law I was pregnant with twins and then went on maternity leave and I remember telling my boss at the time and um, he laughed and he said Rhiannon there is no good time to have children you've just got to go for it and it will all sort out and it did, to be honest, but those words have always stayed with me at the time. I was nervous about telling him, not, not that I wanted to change any decisions that I've made to date about it, but they were quite wise words. I suppose what he meant was really, if it's something that you want to do, you just need to do it. You'll never find, the, there will never be a right time really, but you know, you do it and you get through it. And certainly things have worked out really well for you then his words were comforting even if they don't <laughs> seem it at the time because I remember thinking this is this is about as badly timed as it as it could possibly <laughs> be but life happens and there's decisions certain things that should happen and, and when it comes to women there's annoyingly a time when your career is really taking off and it's usually the time too that it's kind of biological clocks are ticking and if you're going to have children that's the time when you you really need to get going on it if that's what you want to do um, and so it, it usually coincides with a point in career which is which is not ideal but saying all that my twins are now five years old I'm still a partner I'm now a partner at a different firm which I'm very much enjoying in a in a great team and I wouldn't have done it any different way that's wonderful that's good to know uh, and I suppose that leads on to another question that I wanted to ask you so how do you think both genders can better um, support representation for women in practice because I mean this issue around females career taking off timing for um, for children for family it, it, it's something that most of us grapple with have to deal with 
so how do you think we can better support that so i think a lot of it can begin at home i am very lucky that my husband and i have shared the responsibilities of childcare from the from the very beginning actually when i say that so i took maternity leave and at the time i wasn't that keen about sharing my maternity leave with anyone but once i was in the reality of maternity leave I um, did suggest to my husband that maybe he would like to share it with me, which it wasn't really the point in his career or in, in the structure that he was in at the time that it, that could have worked. So he didn't. But since then, um, he actually now works three and a half days a week and I work five days a week so that we can be there and do school runs for our children. And so because of that, because of you know, my husband at home and who um, we're willing to do that, um, for each other and take our foot off the pedal at various different points of our careers that has meant that I have been free to go and do more for my career at this point of time which has therefore meant that I have more of a chance of bringing that equality to the workplace. That's wonderful so you said that he did take some paternity leave at the time that you were on maternity leave as well. Yeah he did he took what he was allowed which was the two weeks which is I mean obviously it's better it's better than nothing and um, but at the time my um to give you more insights into into what happened next at, at the point where I was pregnant with twins they came very prematurely um and they went into intensive care so those first few months actually were spent with me by the side of intensive care cots not really knowing what feasibly you can do and there wasn't much point in my husband having paternity leave at that point I mean it sounds very callous but it was a much more useful to me once we were all home from hospital so actually he took his two weeks paternity leave um, a few months later and it was very much needed at that time. That, that's interesting because I've heard friends say that it's often more helpful for dads to take paternity leave a bit later on as opposed to immediately after um, their partner is given birth so I, th I suppose uh, do you agree with that yes I do I would have loved it if he could have taken more than that at the time and taken various different chunks it's they are long days once you've gone from <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I mean I was a very busy city lawyer to being stuck at home with two very small babies um, on my own. I don't have my own family very close to me. My husband's family are actually, and they were absolutely amazing. But they are long days when you're waiting for somebody to come home and relieve you at the end of the day. And they were also kind of long periods of time before he took a holiday. So actually having more flexibility for partners to take maternity and paternity leave throughout you know, that first whole year would be absolutely amazing. That's really interesting because it sounds to me like what would almost be ideal is this concept of flexibility right um, as opposed to taking one big chunk of maternity or paternity leave whatever the case may be having the flexibility to perhaps take half a day as opposed to uh, you know a full day or a few days a week as opposed to uh, a full week right yes absolutely just those a few hours at various different points would have been very much um, welcomed by me at the time. So it's true. I think employers should be um, flexible as to the to the needs of the 
parents and flexibility is key. I also just want to talk to you a bit about your transition back into practice after your maternity leave. How did you find that? Was it a, a kind of an immediate transition back into full time or did you transition back in gradually? I did it gradually. I actually came back earlier than I had planned because um, there was a, another partner who was doing GDPR stuff and she left to go in-house. So my team were partnerless and supervisorless in the middle of my maternity leave. So I went back two days a week after, I think it was about six or seven months. Okay. I did one day from the office and one day from home. So that was quite a nice transition. And then gradually I moved up to four days a week, which I did for the time um, up until my twins went to school. And it's hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat the return from maternity leave. In in my case, I I know lots of people come back, especially into private practice, and they are having to grow their workload again. I didn't have that um, problem because I came back still pre the GDPR actually coming into force, but there was a lot of work for me to to do. But what it was quite tricky to do is, is to establish those client relationships that have been looked after by other people in my absence but those people who'd looked after those client relationships were building their own partnership business cases and it's not for me to go and stamp on their opportunities too so I did have quite a lot of building from the from the bottom to do again and it took me quite a few years to get to the point where I was making the same financial impact that I had pre-maternity leave and that's tough and it wasn't because I was working any less hard either it was just because I'd had to essentially start again in various different points and um, yeah that's tough. Thank you for being so candid about it because I think it is definitely something that we need to talk about more right because we uh, as women who who have children all go through this at various stages of our our career and I mean I, I think this is just as relevant for lawyers in practice as it is for lawyers in-house right because I think you you work very hard to pave your way to an end goal for example and you know as you said life happens right and you do need to put a bit of a pause on that journey but I think What strikes me is that in the broader scheme of things, women who have done this have managed to get where they wanted to, even though it it might have taken them a year or two longer than they thought, which, I mean, I find quite inspiring. Yeah, I think that's right. It it can take longer, and some would argue that it shouldn't take longer. I think I had naively assumed that you put your career on hold when you go on maternity leave and you come back in the same position as you left it, but that's not the case. in my situation anyway I definitely had to I I was a few steps down the ladder (laughs) before that I had to kind of climb back up to even get to the same platform that I had before I before I left but I would say that I had quite a lot of support when I came back from maternity leave there were a lot of people around me who were very willing and were talking to me about what I needed in order to get back on the ladder in hindsight I think what would have been better actually is before I left some more help to to establish 
what I would say was kind of mine and not to be possessive about it, but to make sure that that was going to be looked after in my absence, whether that's through cover or who in the firm was going to look after different relationships. And I think all law firms need to look at it rather than just trying to help people when they come back. Let's look at that whole process from when people go and see what that whole process looks like to see what help they can give women. And men, I should say, too, because there's more and more men like taking longer periods of time out to do this and the same help should be available to them, too. I suppose, what do you think are the biggest opportunities and challenges facing young females in practice today? I think we are getting there for equality and we need to make sure that we keep that momentum going. And I think that that the more and more men that take career breaks and paternity leave, shared parental leave, the more and more there is the opportunity for that equality in the the workplace, because there should be no bias in that situation. Because when you're interviewing somebody, it should be just as likely that the man will take six months off as the woman will take six months off. You spoke about having a partner that was very much willing to put his career on pause as well, right? Well, I suppose as a female, there is a a certain reality that you do have to place pause on your career because ultimately, biologically, you are the one having the baby, right? But thinking about it slightly differently, I mean, that's not to say that her partner shouldn't also be supported and encouraged to take a pause themselves because uh, aside from pausing your career to take paternity leave it's only at the start of the journey when you raise your kids right um your kids are with you until well I suppose these days until after uni so uh, (laughs) oftentimes that's that's a depressing thought but yeah at the start of their um careers right so I mean males being encouraged to take time to kind of hit pause every now and again does I think sound certainly to me like a a way in which we can foster more equality in the workplace that's great Rhiannon I really haven't thought about it that way before I think it's just because I've seen my husband do kind of press that pause a few times when I said that he didn't take share parental leave kind of at the time he wasn't really as I say in the environment where it could have worked and it would have put a lot of pressure on people around him and so because of that he and various other um, considerations he moved to a different organization and a much larger team which has got much more infrastructure around so that people can stop and start their career and but the more I have now stepped up my career and I've gone to full time it got to the point where actually in his career it's it has made sense for him to press pause and as I say he's gone down to three and a half days a week now so he does short days that he said so that he can do the school running that he's around and it gives us as a family more flexibility because things are we can both work full time really with the help that we have around us as long as everything's going fine so as long as no one is sick as long as you know, the childcare is working but as soon as one of those things doesn't happen then it's a bit of a crisis and it's us trying to work out whose meetings are more important and how we can get emergency childcare. so 
that has just worked first, but he has definitely been given in the organization that he is in at the moment, it's a very big organization with lots of structures around it. He approached his boss and said that he would like to take a bit more of a backseat and they said that's fine and they put him in a role that he can step back up his career at another point it's not anything dead end and in fact his boss who is a woman herself said to him that things change and that she had taken various different kind of pauses in her career but she was always really grateful for the opportunity then to step back up and do more at different points so in fact he is in a role at the moment where there's lots of inspirational women around him that's amazing. I suppose my takeaway from that really is for organizations to think about how they can really support the flexibility that families need, particularly at the outset, you know, when um, children are still small and, and that flexibility is needed. And I mean, what also strikes me is this kind of this really positive balance that you have in your relationship with your husband um, and the willingness for both of you to press pause when it, it's needed and that you both have support to do that that's really great that's right Danae I think we have been very lucky to be able to work as a partnership together to be able to flex and let's say pulse our careers at very various different points but that in itself if such flexibility is given to both parents or any parent that needs it then that could and should drive equality in the workplace Okay, well, moving on, uh, a question around data. I want to know a bit about how you've seen data protection practices evolve over your career. Data protection was really not sexy when I was qualifying and people didn't used to particularly care about it. To give some context around it, at the time where I qualified, the information commissioner didn't have even the power to fine, they could um, issue undertakings, which were promises not to, to do it again or enforcement notices. Those were published on the Information Commissioner's website. They barely hit the news. So people just were not that interested in data protection. But then gradually over the years, the Information Commissioner got the power to fine. There were some big security breaches that hit the news. People became more and more concerned about their personal data. Then we had the GDPR, which brought in fines of up to 4% of annual worldwide turnover. So then it became a real board level interest. And because of that, the teams in both private practice and in-house have echoed that. And you've got some massive now data protection teams um, working for organisations. So it's very different from when I started off in my career. I suppose it's interesting to be in a position where you can actually see a field of practice evolve in front of your eyes because I mean you know it's all evolved very quickly and that must have been really exciting. Yeah it was it's, it's really exciting to be listened to it's really exciting to kind of to go with companies on this journey too. There were big compliance projects that had to be implemented in organisations Implementing data protection in organisations isn't about having it just you know, knowledge sat in one person. It's about it being in the fabric of the companies so that everyone understands what they're doing with personal data, why they're doing it and what the law is around it. 
and that's a big kind of like exciting change too people actually want to talk to me about data protection at dinner parties now I'm not that keen to <laughs> reciprocate <laughs> and everyone's everyone thinks that they know something about it but that it's been good in itself and in what ways do you think emerging tech is driving change in data protection practices when you're a data protection lawyer you've got to understand that technology in order to be able to advise on it so there's a there's a lot of questions that we have to ask to get to enter grips of the technology and then to be able to understand the data flows which are happening so with emerging tech we're getting more and more data protection work because there's more and more uses of personal data but we then have to kind of work out whether it's in compliance with the law there's a concept in the gdpr which is privacy by design and privacy by default yeah. so these emerging techs need to be built if they're going to be processing personal data they need to be built with privacy at its heart and that means that data protection lawyers get involved right at the beginning which is very interesting in itself too because we learn about the tech with the business and then can advise as it evolves so it's emerging tech and data just they go together and are you certainly seeing that, that clients are, as they develop new tech, are really starting with data protection and privacy by design in mind? Some do. The, the more advanced organisations when it comes to data protection, and I think more the like, regulated sector, the financial services sector, have been there a bit longer on this. They involve their data protection teams from the very beginning, and so therefore it does. We still see a lot of clients coming to us wanting something signed off when data protection has not been thought about from the very beginning. And then it's very difficult to reverse engineer and provide the data protection advice that's needed once the technology is there essentially then you are you are making risk-based decisions based on things that have already been settled when actually you should have been helping developing the ideas along the way so if we are far from you know, the, that perfect scenario of data protection being always by design and by default but we're definitely getting there along that journey so thank you very, very much for sitting down uh, again and chatting and for being so candid about being a new mother and the journey that you went through and not only you, uh, you and your husband went through when you had your twins. Um, it's been really interesting and insightful for me, certainly, and I'm sure for our listeners too. So thanks again. Thanks, Joy. Thank you for listening to our special mini series on Women in Tech. If you enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss the rest of this mini-series, please subscribe to Asher's Legal Outlook wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, feel free to leave us a rating or review. If you'd like to find out more about Asher's digital economy practice, please visit www.asher's.com. In the meantime, thanks very much for listening and goodbye for now. If you enjoy Ashurst Legal Outlook, why not check out our other two podcast series as well? 
Ashurst Business Agenda tackles the big strategic issues that business leaders face. And ESG Matters at Ashurst reveals how business leaders are rising to mounting environmental, social and governance challenges. You can listen and subscribe to Business Agenda and ESG Matters wherever you get your podcasts.